for me, what makes a lot of sense, and I'd love, you know, and we, we try to bring this into business with, with our Black Belt group, with all of our builders. They love sharing the information and data. And what it does is it makes everybody better. So if you're making your competition better by sharing your information, you have to sail faster to stay ahead of them. So everybody's getting better and, and all of the, the advances that come from this sort of approach trickle down into other parts of the sport as far as sailing is concerned. Growing a successful trades business isn't about you being the best on the tools. It's about how you profit, plan, prepare and prosper so you can create a business that supports you and your family. Welcome to Profit First for Tradies. I am your host, Katie Crismali Marshall, and this is the podcast for tradies who are ready to transform their business from a cash-eating monster to a money-making machine. Let's dive in. Hand it over to you and you can intro yourself. Oh, well, Mick Hawes company called Builders Business Black Belt, which is a, a business coaching organization with our crosshairs on uh, owners of building businesses traditionally that like the domestic type building business interestingly enough as we started to build our focus and our avatar a while ago it was our target was a husband and wife run building business and just recently we started to do some work with uh, I'll give James Brown a plug biz tech guru who's uh, with systemology uh, he he implements systemology and we've been working with him and part of that process helped me redefine our our target again and that now it seems to be a younger single guy which is kind of the opposite <laughs> of what we we're doing before purely because it brings a tremendous energy these young people seem to bring this tremendous energy to the group and everybody has benefited from it and it's a lot of fun so yeah we've been doing this for nine years now i've been in the coaching space for over 30 years and been through all sort of sorts of iterations of just personal development to small business and i thought small business was a niche until i learned about niching and discovered that was small business isn't a niche and sort of went a bit left the field for a few years and started doing performance coaching with elite athletes and work with you know some of our top cricket players and was with australian uh, tennis australia for a number of years working with our top tennis players and went on tour with Samantha Stozer and things like that and that was pretty interesting and learned that there are lots of parallels, lots of things that we can learn from elite individual performance and elite team performance that are parallels to business. So there's, there's lots of things that we can learn from looking over the fence. So interesting you'd mentioned that I had not been well last week and I'm not very good at sitting still. I feel like I'm very good at sitting on the lounge, particularly not very good at watching television for any more than a short space of time. But being sick, I kind of had no choice. But I realised that, I mean, I love sport. I love motorsport. That's no secret for anyone who's been following me. But again, I watched the Netflix Beckham show and then obviously the supercars and then I watched the Formula One. And again, just that what we can learn from sports people and sports teams from a business perspective. Like there's so many, as you say, so many parallels. And I think sometimes we get into business and we feel like we don't have a real business mind about us. But more often than not, if you're in a trade space, 
you're generally a sports lover. So we can look to different sports teams and sports individuals for what they're doing and how they're doing and how they're marketing themselves and how they're making the most of opportunities. And um, yeah, I think I've like, I think I just, I just love sports. From a business perspective, I'm always looking from a business perspective and it's the thing that makes the most sense to me. So no surprises that you slid right back into business coaching without any problems. Yeah. But the, the, yeah, I'm, I'm still looking at, at, you know, I watched the Beckham thing, um, watched the last episode last night, in fact, but uh, um, there was at one stage I was coaching uh, a V8 supercar driver and, you know, got to go to Bathurst and get driven around the track and put the headphones on and listen to what's going on and. And I was like a kid in a candy shop, just watching all of the elements of data that you can get. And we were able to get somebody else's data who was going faster and overlay our driver's data on it. And you can just see, you know, the, just slight little differences in late braking or how much input they put into the steering wheel at a certain point in the track. And you go, this is wild. So what can we learn from that? It's, it's well, data, Get know your numbers, like. Profit first is a perfect example of that. You know, how, what's your profit percentage? I should be able to wake you up from a deep sleep in the middle of the night and go, what's your profit first percentage? And you should be able to tell me why I'm standing watching you sleep in your bedroom late at night. That's a whole <laughs> other story. But, and, and then I've gotten right into, because I'm a mad keen sailor, uh, Sail GP, where they're in these 50-foot foiling catamarans um, and they've got one from various countries, so there's 10 or 12 of them. Uh, and they'll do a hundred kilometers an hour sailing at a hundred kilometers an hour and they're strapped in and there's horrendous injuries if people fall off the boat and it's crazy to watch. But the reason I bring that up is another, I think, essential mindset shift that we need to have in business is sharing our data with other businesses instead of this holding everything close to your chest. So in Sale GP. There's something like 40,000 pieces of data being recorded while they're racing every second. Oh, wow. It's just phenomenal. Everything is measured, but everything is being shared with every other team in real time. So you're on a racetrack and you're seeing, you know, how the main trimmer or the wing trimmer or the flight controller, they call them, in a boat what they're doing at any given time so other teams can go oh they're they're doing that so we could do that and it improves the performance of everybody so the australians are incredible they've won the first two seasons and they're ahead in this season as well and they always just seem to find a way to win so it still comes back to that talent but for me what makes a lot of sense and I'd love you know and we, we try to bring this into business with with our black belt group with all of our builders they love sharing the information and data and what it does is it makes everybody better so if you're making your competition better by sharing your information you have to sail faster to stay ahead of them so everybody's getting better and and all of the the advances that come from this sort of approach trickle down into other parts of the sport as far as sailing is concerned and the same with business, you know, I, I feel like Black Belt, we've got this laboratory where we're testing these things and sharing all our resources and data. And then we talk about it on our podcasts and what have you. And I really feel that there is a, a change happening in the building industry where it's not so foreign to be paid 
for a quote. It's not so foreign to have a real professional approach to it and turn up on time and ring back when you said you would, you know, amazing things like that. I think it's getting better. And it's something that I talk to my clients about all the time. Firstly, the data. We can make better decisions when we've got more data. And also that we should be, we as a collective should be making the industry better, not, oh, I found this like thing that I can do better than you, so I'm going to keep it and not tell anybody. I just find that completely bizarre. I don't understand why we aren't sharing more and so on, but there is still so many people, oh, we can't do that. Yeah. Why can't we? Be- because we can't, or we've never done that before. I'm like, doesn't mean we can't change the rules. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. You know, we've had very few, but it's happened a few times, people joining our, like our blueprint program. And part of that is showing up once a week for a live Q&A. And we've had people that just won't show up to that live thing. And when they're asked why, it's like, well, I, I don't want to share what I'm doing with these other other builders. And I felt like saying, dude, you're applying or, or jumping into a coaching program because your business is rubbish. So like, what are you holding onto that stuff for? It's obviously not doing any good. So that's it. You might as well share it so we can go, well, that's crap. Here, try this better one. You know? Yeah. Let's make some improvements there. Just help each other, you know, that's that's the way forward. And I think it's interesting you talk about how you've changed, your avatar has changed. And I think that's something that I see with business owners, that they feel like that they've always been, you know, a builder who has done domestic or an electrician who has done this or whatever else. And like, that's all they can do. And we can change and evolve. I always talk about having fun in my business. And if I'm not having fun, I don't do it. I employ somebody or I find a specialist who can do it because I just, that's my rules now. Now, did that happen? Did I do that right from the beginning of businesses? No. But I'm at the point now where I will much prefer to make sure I'm working on the things that I know that I'm really good at and that are going to be the best time savers for me rather than spending time and money on things that I'm not super good at because then they don't really get done properly. And I think that's something that I see with our trades is that, oh, I've got to do it. I've got to do this because this is what I've always done rather than having a bit of a, let's pull back a little bit and have a walk and see if there's anything else we can do. Perfect example, builders charging for quotes. Like why shouldn't they be charging for their time and their effort? Because it's not like it takes them 10 minutes to put a quote together. Usually there's quite a time investment in that. Yeah. So I love that. I mean, and I've come into your group and shared things with Profit First a number of times, and I just love that in your group, you are always so like, what else? What else can we do? How else can we do it better? So coming back to the Profit First, I would love to hear your story about how you got into Profit First and how long ago that was and what it did for your business. Well, if if I burst into tears, you'll uncover it. I guess, well, I'd have to ask Mike, how long ago the book was released because I had a podcast many, many moons ago called Small Business Smart Solutions. You're going to look up the date when it was published. (laughs) I'm thinking it's got to be 10 years. Uh, I think it would be. um, Nine years. uh, 2014. So this is the original one. So 2014. Yeah, well, that sounds about right because... I had a podcast called Small Business Smart Solutions and for some bizarre reason, 
we were getting like 8,000 downloads a week from this episode, but it was, they were all United States and, and like it took me a year to figure out what the bloody hell am I doing? <laughs> a podcast talking to Americans when our, our market is in Australia. But anyway, I'm a slow learner. And, and I used to interview authors. And so I reached out to Mike and interviewed him about the pumpkin plan, which I, I just absolutely loved. He's a funny dude. And, and I just would be driving around listening to that, laughing and learning amazing things. And uh, so I had Mike on the podcast. And then about three months after our interview, he reached out and says, I'm, I'm about to launch a book called Profit First. Can I come back on the podcast? Sure. And me being a studious interviewer, thought I'd better read so I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and the bizarre thing at the time, like uh, the old office uh, and, and the name of the business back then was uncoverhiddenprofits.com. And the video background was on the wall of my office and I was sort of sitting at a desk and on the wall in two foot high letters was Uncover Hidden Profit. And I'm sitting there reading Profit First. And this is, I'm not saying this for effect. When I got to certain points in it, I felt physically ill because here I am running a coaching business called Uncover Hidden Profits. And it turns out I didn't even know what a profit was mm. um, because it was all this concept of this thing on a profit and loss sheet where it was actually cash, a shoebox under the bed. Like it doesn't, doesn't matter where you put it and I'd been in business for 18 years at this stage and I just felt physically ill because of the horrible job that I'd done over the last 18 years. I realized that I'd just botched it so badly. And But feeling it's the second time that's happened to me. I felt really, really bad and it's a good thing to feel really, really bad. Like get to that point of disgust. So you go, I am not going to live like this anymore. And so I implemented Profit First that day and we struggled and had arguments and fights for the next at least 90 days and still until, and that's all it took. Like when you, if you say it fast now, 90 days is quite quick to get back on an even keel and start to have some semblance of order and hope because you've got a pathway forward. And back then, like we were living in our family home, we'd had it for a couple of decades at that stage and still had a mortgage on it. And I never ever felt like I was ever going to get out from underneath this. Uh, and we implemented Profit First. And I think after about four or five years of implementing Profit First, we owned that place. I think we, we had three properties that we owned. Um, we've sold a few of them now and, and you know, we've got a, a wonderful boat that I spend half my week on and there is just zero money stress. I can get pissed off and angry and, and anxious about all sorts of other things, <laughs> but, but not money. And I think that's such a cool thing. And if I could say that to anybody is concentrate on getting your money act together as a priority because I just find that money distress amplifies the circumstances of every other problem that you've got. If you've got a health issue and money problems, your health will be worse. If you've got relationship problems, your relationship will be worse. If you've got business issues, your business issues will be amplified because you've got money issues. Get rid of the money issues and a whole lot of other issues will just disappear 
without even having to be addressed. But uh, I love Mike. (laughs) And I think that's a really good example. You know, you thought you were doing the right thing with your Uncover Hidden Profits. Like you thought, just like many business owners were, that you were doing it the right way. And it's not to say that not doing profit first is the wrong way. But I always say it's it's a way to manage your cash. It happens to be a very easy, simple, successful way of doing it. But if you're not doing anything to manage your cash at the moment, at least give it a try. I I mean I'm I'm not as politically correct as you, and I would say if you if you're not doing if you're not using the profit first system, you are doing it wrong. Like it's it to me, it's just black and white. And yes, there would be other people who are financially successful who don't implement profit first. But if you looked at how they manage their money, they were they're doing profit first. Like they they they're applying the principles. They just might be using a different language and calling their accounts different things. But their their mental process and their disciplines are profit first. And to me, it's just here is a really simple system. It's like the lights came on when when I read this, and it's like ah. My mum used to do this, you know, she'd get housekeeping and put some in an envelope under the sink for groceries and some for, for clothing and some for a holiday and, and that's how they used to do it. And then they brought out credit cards and it all turned to custard. <laughs> and that's a, a good point about like the credit cards and the overdrafts and the loans and so on and so forth. And I hear so often you would probably hear this too. It's like, oh, but, you know, particularly builders... I'm a builder. I have to have my overdraft. I can't survive without my overdraft. Completely. And the flawed philosophy. <laughs> and again, it kind of comes back to they're hanging around with the wrong people. Yep. They're hanging around with people who are like, oh yeah, we're we can't do without an overdraft. You have to have your credit card. You've got to have the debt. Like cash flow sucks. And this is what I say to my clients. I'm like, I know it's not, you know, in Australia, standing around at a barbecue with a bunch of business owners particularly tradies and going, oh, no, my cash flow is good. I don't have credit. I don't have an overdraft. Like, we know how that conversation is going to go, but that's what I aim my clients to be, that person. Now, whether they decide to vocalise that or not is another thing, but I want them to be there like, oh, but we did the work. You put the system in place and did the work and you can work without an overdraft. You can work without credit cards. It's just... um. Talking to a client yesterday, actually, and he's like, "Oh, the credit card's being paid off, but I can't close it." I'm like, "Why can't you close it?" He's like, "Oh, but and I'm like, "Close it, just close." Ceremonial cutting up here. Use my scissors. Yeah, it's yeah. There's there's a lot of weird, you know. And I say that like I'm better than everyone else, and I don't mean it to sound like that because that's exactly how I used to think. <laughs> and now that I've changed sides. You can see the area in other people's thinking. And I, I just recall going to a, a workshop or something a couple of years ago and just listening to the conversations of all these business people. And there were some very what most people would call successful uh, business people in this room, just having a chat, you know, how's business and all of that sort of stuff. And the whole conversation with everybody was focused on revenue. And I'm going, I think you've missed the point. Wait. So interestingly, I get very, very nervous if I talk to a, a new client or talk to anybody and they lead with, my business turns over X amount of dollars. I know there is a 99.9% chance that that business is failing miserably because it's not, I don't care how much money you make, I care about how much money you keep. And it's just so interesting to hear those different conversations that, as you say, people don't know their numbers. 
all comes back to the data. It doesn't have to be complicated. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love Profit First is it is a really simple system. Once we get out of our own heads and I, just like you, I came to Profit First because my bookkeeping business was horrible. It was this. I swore I'd never work for myself. My parents were self-employed. I was never going to get have a business. Then I did promise myself it would, wouldn't be like everybody else's. And then guess what happened? A couple of years into it, few years into it, it sucked and I hated it. And then I had that realisation that I couldn't go back to work for somebody else because I'd been self-employed for a few years by this time and would make a terrible employee. And then that's when I went searching. That's when I found Profit First. And I think it's easy for people who aren't doing it and who are struggling to look at us and go, easy for you. It's like, no, 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 no. We had to go through that struggle and that realisation. Nobody just waved a magic wand for us and everything was beautiful. And so what would you say was, thinking back now, it's been so long, what would you say was the biggest hurdle for you to get over and to consistently do profit first? Um, funnily enough, again, my answer sounds a little egotistical from the perspective that I didn't have any hurdle to get over because I just went, I, I had that absolute emotional experience of disgust. Like it just hit me like a punch in the face and I literally felt like I was going to throw up because I just squandered, you know, 18 years of opportunity and thought I was doing the right thing. And so my commitment to profit first hasn't wavered even today. Like Julie yelled up the stairs just the other day. What is it? We're, we're on the 11th. Yeah. So we've just done a profit distribution. On the 9th. See <laughs> She yelled up the stairs, you need to put some more money in our bank account. We need to pay some bills. I said, tomorrow. <laughs> Walks away and a half because I just won't. Like, yeah. yeah. To me and, and everybody that I help with, with Profit First, and I'm not a Profit First professional, I'm just a fan, do it 100% or don't bother is my mantra because I've worked with people who do it 95% and they just... I don't like doing that like that, so I'll just tweak it. And it doesn't work because Profit First is an emotional system. It's not an accounting system. All it does is it changes your natural desire to make the right decisions. You make the proper financial decisions naturally without discipline. That's the bit I love about it. If you discipline yourself to follow the process... The right decisions take no discipline. And to me, it's like you're talking about you've got to know your numbers, but you've also got to know which number is the one that you're going to make your decisions based on or which number, when it starts to increase, you should feel good about. Mm. You know? And I just remember when we first heard, we, we weren't Builders Business Black Belt at this stage. We're still back in the Uncover Hidden Profits Day, learnt about profit first, and we were working with one of the, the, the state's largest agribusinesses at the time. They were one of our clients. And there was a manager and two owners. And the two owners just used to make the most bizarre decisions. And we couldn't change their behavior. Like they thought they were a $6 million business. Uh, and that truck's not so good anymore. We'd, we'd just go and get another truck. So they'd go and take out a lease, put it on the never, never for another truck or a trailer or a tractor or whatever it was. And the manager and the other 
the girl who worked in the office who was doing the, the accounting were trying to get them to change their behaviour because we are hurting. Like, we are dying the death of a thousand paper cuts here. And the owners just wouldn't listen because we have a $6 million business. And so we put them through the instant assessment when I learned about Profit First. And it turns out they weren't a $6 million business. It turns out that they were a $600,000 business. They weren't, you know, they were just over a half a million dollar business, not a $6 million business. And we sat around the table and showed them this. And lo and behold, their behavior changed instant. And all of a sudden, all of these old trucks and tractors and machinery and all of that that was just sitting around the place was up for sale, uh, you know, tightened the belt and, and not getting all of these leases and being really, really fastidious with their expenses and what have you. And thank God they did because the very next season was an absolute disaster, the potato farmers, and they would have lost their houses yeah. had they not made those shifts just 12 months prior. So, you know, profit first saves lives. It saves marriages. It definitely saves businesses. We see that. We get that feedback so often with Black Belt that if I didn't have profit first, I would have lost my business and probably lost my house and definitely lost my relationship if I hadn't have had that in place, which is which is amazing. You know, Mike needs to be really, really proud of himself and, you know, I hope he knows that the, the work that he's doing, how drastically and dramatically it's affecting people's lives. I'm sure he does, but it's good to remind him. Yes, and that's one of the things that I see people come to me, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing profit first. And then when I have a look, I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> oh, and why, well, profit folks? first is so complicated. Yeah, you're doing it wrong. It is a really simple and efficient system when it's set up correctly. And I always find it, um, you know, I have clients who are, have tried to implement it themselves and a very small number can do a really good job of that. But like anything new, we need to know exactly how it works. And for me, I always talk about, then we customize it for your specific business. And that's where people, because they don't have the training, can't take the system and then customize it correctly. They end up with this, I don't know what over there that doesn't work properly. And then... Uh, coming back to that, you know, saving lives and businesses and, and relationships and so on, that's exactly what it does. Like the amount of, I get it, I get a lot of emails from a Friday night to a Sunday night from people saying, oh my goodness, you know, I'm up, dead up, up to my eyeballs, I've got ATO debts, I've got all these things, like everything's going wrong. I, I rarely get those emails during the week. It is always from a Friday afternoon to a Sunday night, always. Um you know, great weekends. <laughs> and I, I have set it up in my business that my VA will jump into my emails twice a day on the weekend for that specific purpose. And if I get one of those emails, she messages me so I can jump in and send them an email back saying, let's have a chat next week because I know how stressful that is for somebody to be at that point to finally reach out and then have to wait for the week and do whatever for a reply and just to give them that peace of mind that we can have a chat. You know, the follow-up email is, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I, you know, I could breathe again or whatever else. And I, I think if that's one thing that we can get across to people is that, yes, it's a cash management system, but it does absolutely change every part of your life. And the way I 
take it as well from an expense point of view. When we're doing those reviews, I don't want you to be tight. I don't want you to be frugal. I don't want you to be stingy. If you want to spend X amount of dollars on whatever it is, great. But let's know what that is so we can build your business to be able to support that. So everybody's different in that regard. Some people like to be really frugal with their expenses. That also works. For me, it's more about just being aware of what your expenses are. Get rid of anything we don't really need. I use this example all the time. I had a client who had a insurance for a car, $72 a month. He'd sold the car four and a half years prior and it was still coming out of his bank account. But because it was just such a small amount, he didn't really pay much attention, didn't notice it. Thankfully for him, the insurance company gave him back two years worth of premiums, but he was still out two and a half years. And people always go, oh, that's ridiculous. He's not the only one. Like there are so many clients like that who are like, oh, you know what? I found a policy that it was the car we sold and for whatever reason, they didn't cancel it or the insurance company didn't cancel it when they were asked. So it's always little pieces like that that we find. And so I think for many people, they feel like they're going to have to cut back on everything and they're, you know, they're not going to have any money when that's true to a degree, but it is about finding finding that balance. And particularly in the trade space, you know, we've had a good run with work for a number of years. Things will slow up and has it already in some areas. It will pick back up again, I have no doubt. And I'm not here to doom and gloom it because it happens. That's the cycle of business. But we have to prepare for it. And just like your farmers, we have to start, we have to be prepared for those slow times because you're then going to come out the other side in a much better financial position than most of everyone else, which then means you can make even more out of the next uptake along the way. We've always got to be looking at the future. And I always remember Jim Rohn talking about the ant philosophy. I always wondered how he ever found out what ants thought, but you know, he must have had some sort of superpower and he said, This is what ants think. <laughs> is is, you know, that if they're in winter, it's like, you know, summer's coming. It, this won't last. So it gives them hope. But in summer, it's like winter's coming, we've got to prepare. Winter's coming, we've got to prepare. And to me, that's what profit first is like building up your war chest. Yeah. Um, I think you mentioned, you know, some people are frugal and we still have interesting discussions about that here at home. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Profit First for Tradies. If you want more, head over to profitfirstfortradies.com.au for the show notes and the links to today's free resources. And if you'd like to learn how to become a permanently profitable tradie and eliminate your cash flow problems, join us in the Profit First for Tradies Facebook group where I share tips, resources and trainings so you can save time, save money and save your sanity. You can learn more over at profitfirstfortradies.com.au. Catch you next time on the Profit First for Tradies podcast.